in the world of the 24-hour news cycle, where every story is given the same amount of urgency and magnitude, one podcast dares to say, uh, hold on just a second. This week and every week, we look back at the headlines, moments, and trends from six months ago, and we ask our panel, let's process this. I'm your host, Chris Pappas. Welcome back to season two of Let's Process This. I am so excited for today's show. I have two incredible returning guests. I have Jay Michael and John Foster here. Of course, we like to start every episode of Let's Process This with our guest introductions chronically online, where we ask our guest something that's been popping up in their algorithm this week that really describes them. So I will get started with Jonathan Foster first because he comes first alphabetically. Jonathan Foster is a freelance producer, writer, musical theater nerd, and pizza connoisseur currently residing in Brooklyn, New York. His top favorite things are to watch the newest season of Survivor, talking about Drag Race, and listening to Let's Process This, his favorite new podcast. Wow. Is John Foster maybe my favorite new guest? It's possible. It's possible. Oh, my nose is so brown. Thank you for that. Welcome back. <laughs> Welcome back. All right, John. What 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 is what was it, what was coming up in your in your algorithm this week? I in preparations for this, I was thinking like, all right, what have what have I learned from my algorithm over the past few uh, few days? And somebody called me out about a week ago uh, because when I was on Instagram, I just like clicked the search button and you like automatically like all the like 20 videos or whatever show up on your screen. And mine all seemed to have a theme. And that theme was like, man, not wearing clothes. <laughs> and somebody called me out of that and they're like, is that all you use Instagram for? I was like, no, I really don't think I do. So then I started like being very specific with like the things that I was searching and like I'm on the lookout right now for a new tattoo. And so I did like I, I looked for at tattoos for maybe, maybe five minutes. I scrolled and then the next day, sure enough, all of my videos when I clicked that search button were like, I'd say like 90% tattoos and 10% naked men. And then I started really getting on an art kick and looking at different like acrylic paintings. So now all of a sudden that's all popped up on my algorithm and it's like, I'm no longer a gay man. I'm like a married woman from the Midwest with paint and <laughs> the like um, showing up on my Instagram. So I have two Instagram accounts. I have my personal one and then I have one that is my travel mm -hmm. professional account. And the same thing happens on my travel professional account where it's just like all gay stuff and I don't even look at it on that one like it's right. I'm, okay. I'm constantly looking at like travel information and it's but but it knows it will it can clock even if you pause on a photo so if you go by a photo and you're like oh that's a handsome person and you look at it for like two and a half seconds it's like well all you want to see is this now and it's like that has to be i don't know yeah that's, it's crazy that's the that's the world we live in yeah so that's, what did we find yeah. out about john foster he is a gay man wow yeah i feel like that's like they cast a real wide net and then they like and then they move it in there's like yeah lots of people like this and we get going on the tattoos and the art that's where i'm at all right thank you john foster all right moving on to our second guest jay michael jay michael is a former military officer turned humorist having done everything from tv writing to corporate America, he can now be seen primarily saying hello, fellow homosexuals, on social media apps where he has amassed a following due to his mix of comic stories and gay history. A survivor of Burning Man 2023, he is currently looking for a boyfriend or someone to teach him how to be a cash dom. I would just like to note that I added the fact that he was a survivor of Burning Man <laughs> into his bio. <laughs> never forget, never forget. <laughs> All right, Jay, what's been popping up on your algorithm this week? Yeah, so I actually jumped on TikTok when you sent out the thing to ask, you know, hey, what what's sort of popping up in your algorithm? I, a few months ago, felt that my algorithm was getting static, actually, and you can reset it. Mostly what I find was getting was political sort of more on the left political takedowns and Karen videos and things like that. So I reset it and... I was scrolling through it and I had read this article in New York Times that just came out about how there's no new culture being created in our in the 21st century and how this will be a forgotten generation forgotten century because we're not creating any new culture. And I read this article and then found myself later this afternoon watching a video where it's one of those things where it's clearly like AI reading a Reddit story uh, and on the other half of the screen is someone like 
decorating a cake and they have nothing to do with each other. And I've realized that I've run into this a lot. And the whole, I, I don't know who makes these videos. They're clearly just reviews. And it will literally be like, this is crazy thing happened to my grandma at church. And it's this AI voice telling this story that's clearly they're reading off Reddit while you watch someone like make macaroons. And I think that maybe that New York article was right. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, here, here's what I will argue is that Okay, RuPaul's Drag Race All-Star Season 2. You cannot tell me when that mirror moment happened <laughs> that that was not culture. That was, you see, sometimes they're, they're probably just not looking for culture in the right places. But isn't yeah. that kind of like what somebody at the New York Times would, would, would complain about is that there's no culture and it's like actually you're probably Yeah, just I think, the, I mean, the article, I was just a joke. The article was more about, uh, which is interesting, was more about that. There's no, because everything seems to just be regurgitated or recreated and like there's nothing new being added or, or like going fully against the grain that's like, they were using examples of like painters where there would be like everyone was painting the same way and then this one person would change the style of painting you know what right. i mean um and there's not really that happening here because everything is content and and sort of staying as much in the boundaries and just twisting it enough to stand out but not so much that you get sort of rejected by by creating a new art form it's it was more you know sort of deep nor nuanced and than yeah. me just saying there's no new culture that's fair that's fair i'll have to actually read the article uh instead of just look at the headline which is what i did today <laughs> Let's head on into our show. The arc of the moral universe is long, but bends towards justice is a popular Martin Luther King quote that I'm sure quite a few of our listeners have seen as a caption underneath many an instigate posing in front of the rainbow wall and fire island. And while the word unprecedented has lost all meaning over the last three years, it was truly wild to see a former president of the United States arraigned in court on 33 four counts of falsifying business records related to hush money payments to an adult film star named Stormy Daniels. Oh, y'all, it's good to be back. And here we are, six months out from the first Trump arraignment. Can you wow. believe it? Here we are. We made it, folks. It's, it's crazy that this is six months ago, because I, re I literally, like, I work, I work about, like, three or four blocks away from the courthouse where all this went down. And so, of course, that day I was like, all right, I'm going to go take a long lunch break and check it out. It feels like it was such a weird thing because the, the you couldn't get within a block of the courthouse. And obviously, like, there's like police blockades everywhere. And I thought it would just be like a general, like, left wing group of people. But it was mostly like right wing supporters, you know, screaming and hollering and it's crazy to me to think that this was six months ago because it feels like it's been at least two years yeah <laughs> it's also interesting because i remember when that happened like you know margie taylor green and all these different like people came into the city and that was when like jim jordan moved like a hearing about crime to new york that they really were trying to like paint this as like New York is this like falling apart city that's just going after Trump. And when he recent, more recently got arraigned in Georgia, which was like actually with mugshots, everything else, nobody showed up. Like, like not that they're not still supporting him, but what I meant was like the crowds outside in New York were like out of control for this first thing. And now there's been so many of them that even his like supporters <laughs> are just like, yeah. we don't have time to go down there. For, yeah, yeah. I can't. I can't take off every Thursday. Yeah, like it's it, it just it's just funny to think about like how quickly um, this has become like a new normal in the world, where they're just like, well, we don't we don't even have to. We're not even going to show up when you know in the court. I've also heard he's kind of incepted his followers as well by because everything's a corrupt inside job. That means that anytime he's arrested, that's actually just like an FBI sting to get people. Because if mm -hmm. if January 6th was an inside job just to arrest his followers, that you know, if that's the idea, that means anytime that they're doing any of these things to try to attract his followers, that's just FBI plants just waiting to arrest people. So they're showing up less and less as well because he's incepting his own followers. Interesting. I, I, so I think that's funny because right now, I'm not sure when this airs in a couple of weeks, but physically right now they're in, the trial is happening. Um, and uh, most of the decision, the main decision, right, was, was already 
Or am I on a different trial? It's a different trial. Okay. So. Oh, no. Wait, <laughs> no, was I studying so... for the wrong test? Is this what, what, what? No, this is, the, this is not the Stormy Daniel trial. This is, this is the, he inflated his assets, which is a civil case brought to him <laughs> against. So this was, this was always going to be, he would never have gone to jail for what he's on trial for right now. This is the civil case that Letitia James brought against him. Okay. Okay. Or inflating his assets. Right, that's happening right now. Yes, the, wa- and the one we're talking about, about Stormy Daniels. Stormy Daniels. Oh, the Stormy Daniels. Okay. Okay. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so, this is so perfect. This is so perfect. <laughs> it's like, what are we talking about? <laughs> the, point that I was, the point that I was about to make was the article. The only article right now that I read this morning, again, just going through. I feel like I'm so sponsoring the New York Times right now. Was an article about how down in Georgia, all uh, all these lawyers like i guess all the people around trump said that they had attorney client privilege and so the lawyers basically have told the judge if trump is going to say i acted on advice of my lawyers then all of that becomes all those people can't use that as protection anymore and so he has to tell them ahead of time so that they have enough time to go and interview everybody again it's just like all starting to blur together you know Oh, yeah, oh. I did look it up today just just to make sure I had this correctly. He is currently at the time of this recording, he is at 91 felony counts. He is also still the lead of the Republican primary. That's insane. That's insane. The party of law and order, maybe. I also remember, I want to go back to something that Jay mentioned earlier. It was the Marjorie Taylor Greene of it all and how she came storming into New York City. And she really thought she was going to make a point. And I think she lasted about five minutes before she was just <laughs> booed off of the street by New Yorkers. Well, her, I mean, her entire, her entire career is performative, right? And so she's used to, in DC, there's lots of space and she goes to her hometown and she just wants these viral moments. So she just goes mm-hmm. into her hearings and she yells and screams and says nonsense. In New York, we don't, you know, we you get on the subway to go to work and someone's going to pee next to you. So we don't have time for your nonsense. And it was very funny because she came in really ready to be like, New York is the worst place on earth. And by the end, they were like shuffling her out as fast as possible. And she was like trying to tweet about it. And people were like, we don't we don't care. Don't, don't care. come back. You're yeah. not welcome here. No, everybody knows mm-hmm. New York City is the greatest city in the world. And there's nothing you can do to stop it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like even when it's not, we're still going to say it is. It's like, who's going to beat us, Philadelphia? <laughs> Boston. And as somebody who spent all summer in London and Paris, I can tell you it's definitely not Paris. This is like season two. I want to start episode one by pissing off as many new viewers as, as many French people as possible. Hi, are you no. in any city but New York? You don't listen to this. <laughs> okay, so it's six months after the first federal indictment of Donald Trump. Do do we think this will have truly any effect on his voters? No. I wish that I lived in a world in which it did, because if it was literally anybody else, literally anybody else, he would it would they would tank. But it like for some reason like gives fuel to this man's fire. Like it's insane that that also thinking that like this was six months ago. So like at the time everybody was kind of freaking out like hey this isn't that strong of a case like there was a lot of hubbub around like this was just like new york city trying to be the first one to get to trump to like be the one that says that we were the ones who indicted him first and i think that at the time when this came out we were all kind of like hungry for it because like we've literally been gaslit for the past like six years and believing that like the things that he's doing is normal and we're now coming to terms or like now like the country is catching up or the judicial system is catching up and like starting to you know hold him for some of the crimes that he's done at least 91 of them but we didn't know that at the time and so it just kind of felt like oh thank god finally something is going to happen not knowing that mere weeks later we were going to get another 30 and then a mere week few weeks after that it was going to literally increase by 300 percent. like that's crazy that's like mad. back to the that was a long way to go back to the answer i said is no i don't think it's going to <laughs> trump at some point said i could go into the middle of i think it was like madison avenue and fifth Chief avenue and still you know be like i forget the exact quote if you said i could go to the middle of fifth avenue and shoot someone and it wouldn't matter yeah that's right yeah fifth avenue and shoot someone it wouldn't matter and i remember when that came all the you know sort of uh, every everything except for conservative media was like oh my gosh that's insane you know he's so like as if this was like this big thing and i think that i actually firmly believe that now that uh that 
um, Trump and and MAGA and the far right, which is happening in the House and the Senate, and you're watching these people, this has become a cult. It is they don't. Yep. I mean, I I think there's a fear of uh, even if Trump doesn't get reelected, the people who are in power just want to burn it all down. And I think that that's something that, you know, in the next couple of years, we as a country are going to have to really come to terms of dealing with, because I think we have lived in this bubble of we're America's superpower and it can't happen here. And I think it is very clear that if for some reason Trump wins the presidency or enough of those people get in power, that that we're going to move away very quickly into an authoritarian government like Turkey or something. And I think that that is that is what's sort of scary about this is I honestly see these trials happening. They're not affecting his base. And I don't necessarily know how much it's going to affect him in the long run, you know, in terms of is there repercussions or not? You know, I, 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 I hope there are. But, you know, at this point, you could tell about these people that the sky is you know blue and they're going to yell it's it's red no matter what so yeah. yeah to me i think he is on his way to the to the nomination we'll look back at this episode in six months and see see how good that was but i think he is on his way to the nomination the number one thing is keeping him out of the white house and i think my only kind of hope past that is that if he is not running again that there is a margin of his base that just will not be inspired to go out and vote in the future who just you know ted cruz you know does not inspire the people ron DeSantis is clearly not inspiring the people uh, oh that's so true thinking of right when this happened a big thing was like all right well ron DeSantis, he's good he's the guy he's gonna come in and take over but yeah. think- <laughs> <laughs> like what a shit show that's been and it's like i get it you you like want to encourage people to be brave and make take risks but Watching him fail has been pretty cool. <laughs> and I get the same feelings of that that I get from uh, in 2016, was it? With please clap. Please clap. I just like that. It would be like a phrase that lives rent free in my head anytime we think about the Republican Party. It's please clap. <laughs> the, you know, and I will, you know, I might get in trouble with this, but a broken clock is right twice a day. The, the one thing I do identify with Ron DeSantis with is when he is around interacting with strangers and he clearly is just like, why am I doing this? He can't do it. He can't, he can't. do it. And I'm just like, honestly, I get that. Heading into our next story, a January 2022 article from the New York Times posed the following question to its readers. Is New York ready for the mayor of Swagger? While that certainly can be debated, it's pretty clear that New York City was not ready for the dystopian nightmare unleashed on the public in April of 2023. Digidog, the 70-pound, talking, GPS-equipped robo-dog capable of moving up to speeds of 3.5 miles an hour, is out of the pound, declared Mayor Adams. But with a price tag of $75,000, it was clear that the NYPD shopped and did not adopt. So what do y'all think? Is a robot dog equipped with cameras that the NYPD pinky swears will only be used transparently and in proper situations the right move? Or is this one for the dogs? Well, I mean, what could possibly go wrong? The cops are the most honest, hardest working people in, in the country, much less New York City. So I think we're fine. No problems. No notes. <laughs> I'm, I may have a a little bit of a different take on the robo dog and the giant robot that is supposed to be now wandering the subway. <laughs> Have you, if you, I for, I'd forgotten about it, and I just and I just remembered the photo. You remember like those inflatable clowns that you could like push over, and then yes. it's, it's like a two hundred and fifty pound version of that that wanders. The, apparently, is supposed to wander the subway. Now, the reason that I think my take is a little bit different is I'm excited for these dogs and the robot. And the reason I am excited is because just like the way New Yorkers treated Marjorie Taylor Greene, this is the way they're going to treat these robots. And Amen. They, Amen. they have tried these dogs in these like robot dogs in Europe. And their biggest problem is that they keep getting beat up and broken and spray painted and etc. <laughs> and let me tell you, if you don't think New Yorkers can get a 250 pound robot onto a subway track you are incorrect like and you know that the cops you know that the cops know that this is going to be a problem because they have not allowed them to not be with an actual police officer anytime they've used them because the minute they're supposed to wander free we are going to destroy these things 
Yes. <laughs> no way a New Yorker is going to watch. Like, even people who are not going to commit crimes, if I saw that robot dog, I am going to do everything I can to destroy it. A hundred percent. One of the one of the articles I sent you, somebody they were talking to like some robotics person about it. Like, why do you think people are having this negative reaction to the dog? And he literally said, "Well, they're they look very kickable." <laughs> like, <it> was like, <laughs> what, what's this robotics guy actual like? He's like, "Yeah, you look at it and you just." Yeah, honestly, you just want to kick it. <laughs> there is an entire article that was an offshoot of the one that you said that was like, the problem is people, they just, they're so easy to kick. They keep falling over. And and honestly, that's kind of what I wish I could do to cops a lot of times. So I love that we're just going to be putting those little targets out and around. And also they're, they're like, they're creepy. Yes. Like that dog thing. It's literally that episode of Black Mirror, first off, <laughs> like there's that um but like the the thing it, it it it's creepy because it doesn't have a face it's just a moving machine that like it reminds me of that the cage and beauty and the beast at the very beginning <laughs> when the, when maurice gets thrown into the cage it just like picks its legs up like a like a weird robo dog and carries him away and i think that if we don't look out we could all be maurice just yeah. Taken away and carted to the nearest police station. The robo dogs and the robot in the subway are like ridiculous. And there's a lot of, I mean, a lot of people should are worried about it for real reasons. I mean, there's a the funny part is they're saying, oh, it won't have facial recognition, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but those cameras will be running all the time, which ironically is how the cops keep getting in trouble, right? So maybe this actually the long run helps helps us. I think the big issue is that we're spending and Adams is spending so much money on things like robo dog for the a police department that clearly the city doesn't want to keep funding at the levels that they're funding. And yet we're cutting everything else in New York. And I think that that is just, again, one of the things that is just so frustrating to watch when these things get announced because Adams clearly wants to be congratulated. He's appealing to a very specific group of people, but those people aren't New Yorkers, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, uh, no one wants this except for him. And and that's what's been like really frustrating to watch, you know, the fact that six months ago there was the Robo Dogs, which I actually forgot about because I haven't seen them, but two weeks ago was the, you know, the Betamax subway robot now, because I think they probably realized the robo dogs would get kicked. And this is, you know, something where it's like 250 or 400, something that's ridiculously heavy, because they know already that we're just, people are just going to push it over. Um, and so it's like, why are we wasting time and money and energy when there's actual problems here in the city, you know, involving a lot of things, including policing. And yeah, human beings who were suffering. Uh, so a, a little follow-up on the robot dog. The robot dog was returned to its original owner. So this was April by May. So basically it made it about $75,000 for something that lasted till May because people were so creeped out by it. And I, I actually, I had forgotten about the subway robot. And I, I, I remember now seeing the article about it and I, I texted a, our group thread. And I think my, my literal comment was, Someone's gonna shit on this. Yes. Like, 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 <laughs> like to me, I was like, oh, someone's just gonna get on top of this robot and, and just poop on it. Like, like that. Like, how do you not see that coming? Have Have either of you seen any of these patrol bots out in the in the streets of New York? I have not seen it in New York. The only place I've seen anything like this is inside of grocery stores. Oh, so have have this? I have not seen them here in New York. It's been when I'm out in other places in the country. But they have these robots that will like go through grocery stores that like have cameras that like report on spills and like when things need to be restocked. Uh, and there's actually because I remember I saw an episode of Superstore where they had one of these robots, and I was like, what uh -huh. a zany idea! And then like two weeks later, I saw one in real life, and I was like, oh my god, they weren't. That that was not something a television show was making up. This is yeah. but they would put googly eyes on it to try to make it more, make it more <laughs> I was walking through 42nd Street Station and I did see uh it was late. So I was either coming, I think I was coming back from something, and it was late, very late. And they clearly were, I think, working out maybe the kinks with the robot. Um because the robot was not moving and there was like 12 cops standing sort of around the robot looking bored and like one person doing something. I saw an article about someone who went to go, they found out that they were only bringing the robot out at like 
it was like something from like 4 a.m to 6 a.m where uh to sort of you know you know i guess teach at the subway and went <laughs> and re went and reviewed it and they were the cops got very mad that they were following them around because the robot kept like breaking and falling down or not falling down but like, oh, so like confused. and one of the things that they said that i thought that was really funny is that one of the big things that uh, Eric Adams is pushing is that this robot is going to stop um, people who jump the turnstiles, right? Because like they jump the turnstiles, the robot's going to like be able to like get the, I guess like get there. But the robot can't go downstairs right now, so you can really just like run down right. the stairs, and then you've got and, you've got away from the robot. And like, how fast does this thing move? It's like, like four hundred pounds. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like it, it's it's hard enough to like walk through Times Square at like five o'clock when you know like like there's no way that this guy that this robot is gonna like chase me oh. through this crowd of people let, let me tell you something people i think that the, the the biggest threat that the general public would think in new york to this robot is probably like kids jumping the turnstiles no old new yorker women who have somewhere to go they will run they run me over that, that, 100%, robot, 100%. that robot is in their way during rush hour that robot is done that You're is, getting elbow checked. That yeah. is something. That is something I. I am that I would be genuinely okay. It is. I just looked it up real fast. It is. It weighs four hundred pounds. All it takes is just a tiny malfunction, and that thing's going down a flight of stairs. Like, like a. That's like a genuine safety concern for me. But also, I'm gonna. I'm gonna say something controversial but brave. Oh, we love it. If I was a police officer, and all of a sudden now i have the job of trying to reboot a 400 pound moving computer every 30 minutes <laughs> on top of everything else i'm supposed to be doing like uh, if you like imagine that with any job all of a sudden it's just like here's a giant computer it's gonna break down every 30 minutes and you better figure you're gonna point and laugh at you for using it yeah yeah <laughs> Let's like why make everybody's life harder? I mean, how far away are we from giving them guns? I feel like that's like on like day three of NYPD training, right? <laughs> Isn't that how this goes? Like, at what point it does it become like a real concern? There was a um, I can't remember which of the articles that you sent that mentioned like it also can just like corner somebody until the cops get there. Like that's fucking terrifying, and it doesn't have a face, so you can't tell what it's thinking, right? Like, well, hopefully it's not thinking. <laughs> that's that's what you have to hope. <laughs> to be clear. Uh, let's hope it doesn't start thinking. It just is working on. I think that's just kind of implied that it's thinking. If it's like you know tracking you your movements, it's thinking. Oh my god, I'm totally gonna start that RoboCop's Instagram account and like having it do the AI challenges. Being like, what did the, what did the RoboCop look like in in the '90s yearbook? <laughs> and this is why we're going to be the century with no new culture. Yeah. As we head into the final topic of our show, it is our super secret topic of the day. This is the topic that our guests do not know what I am about to throw at them. The first images that come to mind when we hear the phrase country music is probably that of pickup trucks, cowboy boots, and red solo cups. But at the 2023 CMT Awards, host Kelsey Ballerini turned those stereotypes on its head when she performed her song, If You Go Down, I'm Going Down Too, decked out in bright 1960s fashion, backed up by four fabulous drag queens from RuPaul's Drag Race, Jan Sport, Olivia Lux, Manila Luzon, and Kennedy Davenport. Just days after a judge temporarily blocked an anti-drag bill in Tennessee. Our final topic of the show is going to be the CMT performance of Kelsey Bellarini's If You Go Down, I'm Going Down Too. All right, I'm going to play the video for you all so you can see it, just in case you have not seen this performance. Thank God. <laughs>
right. So, two days after the judge in Tennessee put a hold on Tennessee's anti-drag bill, at Country Music's Biggest Night, the host performed with four drag queens. I want to know what the casting process was like to be like, we're going to get Jan Sport, Manila Luzon, Olivia, and who was the other one? Was that Kennedy, Kennedy Davenport? Davenport. I, first off, love that these drag queens are working. Also thinking like, okay, I see how some of the things that they have to learn on Drag Race is helpful in the real world. <laughs> like how to be a backup dancer. It's just funny to think that like, of all the drag queens, how did those four end up at the same tease behind Kelsey? That's her name, Kelsey? Kelsey. Jan Sport wasn't hired. She just got on stage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Jan my friends, I know them. Jan Sport just happened to be driving around the venue. No, who hasn't processed it? Jan Sport, because she relives it every night. Yeah. <laughs> and, she, and if we process it, she's going to be real upset about it. Yeah. Well, the, the award show was filmed in Austin, Texas. So this was before Texas passed any of their BS. Uh, so I think that explains why Kennedy was there, because it's it's closer of to course. her home. But it, course, it truly is the most... It is four of the most random queens from Drag Race that you could pick. Uh, but I kind of want to talk about the the bigger picture here, which is having drag queens perform in what is probably considered like conservative territory. And mm -hmm. is this performative? Is this something that just needs to be done? I kind of like the choice of the song, though, which this idea of we yeah. all go down together, <laughs> like we're not, you know, this we're in this we're in this together. So if you're going down, I'm going down with you. As someone who listens casually to country music, I know. It's interesting because I do feel like the reaction to the performance by conservative media and conservative people on TikTok and, you know, Fox News was outrage and how dare they and my kids are kids watch this, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I don't know if it was performative, but I do know that for example, the CMTs have been used a lot of times by people like Casey Musgraves and even Taylor Swift to start to move themselves out of the country world into the pop music world where there's more money. And if you remember a few years before, Casey Musgraves had that song, Follow Your Arrow, well, Follow Your Arrow, in which it was very much like she was singing about queer people. And, and it was sort of this like, and she performed that at the Country Music Awards. And so I feel like it, the fact that it was done while all these bills was actually braver but i also feel like it makes sense for someone who is the host of cmt who clearly has more of like a is trying to it looks like to do a little more of the pop country thing to do something that has that that has a little was going to get get some backlash i mean the fact of the matter is we're talking about this because she brought four drag queens on i don't think we would have even heard that the country music awards had happened unless you were like a huge country fan unless they had done that. So they, the, the, the awards were smart. They got the headline, they got the news. And, and I would say that I think it was interesting and important to do. I don't necessarily know if it was like this giant political statement because there clearly could have been a lot more factors at play. But the fact that they did it at all is, is great because I think that we need more of that. As somebody who's not a casual listener to country music, who actually just listens to country music, it's interesting when you see the more progressive messages happening because that is at the root of country music and at the root of like fo American folk music. It's like, you know, 50 years ago, we had Loretta Lynn singing a song called The Pill about birth control. Mm. And I'll be completely flippant and say, you know, unfortunately, 9-11 destroyed country music. And it suddenly flipped from being this kind of like populist message into a nationalist message. Oh, and yeah. when that flip happened kind of in the late 90s, early 2000s, I feel like it suddenly it just kind of like the cliche of it all, you know, mm -hmm. this like we're defending, we're defending our, you know, our culture and our heritage. And it's kind of like, well, the culture and the heritage was actually fighting against people being oppressed, mm -hmm. you know, fighting against, uh, you know, it's like. Woody Guthrie singing about unions, uh, Johnny Cash singing about uh, Native American rights. It's like, so this idea that it's like suddenly uh, we're singing about a culture that is lost. It's like, no, your culture, your culture isn't lost. You, you are. Yeah. What's that whole thing about the song in a, in a small town? It turns out he's not from a small town and then all these country music artists are 
from small towns were like, um, this is just a racist dog whistle. Uh, and this isn't country music. And it, it was interesting to see that backlash. I, I also want to say, I think that it's obviously the more that drag queens can work and the more that people can be put in front of people who may not necessarily have access to them, especially people who are trying to erase them. Mm-hmm. It's important. But I do think one of the things that I have been disappointed as our country and these state governments sort of keep ignoring the will of the people more and more and more. Let's just say artists are willing to put a drag queen on stage with them because it, like I said, it gets them good press and the queer community wants to know what's going on. But, you know, I would like to see more of these artists like cancel their shows in states that don't allow queer people to perform anymore. You know, some of them do, but like a lot of them don't, you know, a lot of them, it's a lot of, you know, or um, that pass sort of, you know, I'd like to see sports teams not not play in states that pass anti-trans sports laws like i feel like they're willing to sort of put a rainbow flag up during pride they're willing to put yes. things on stage with them but when it comes down to it they're still doing the big studio you know the big uh, stadium in tennessee um and so i, I get yeah. why and i get it but it's just it's just as interesting that like you said like this was before all these bills passed in texas i i don't know if i've heard anyone from you know from that sort of as those bills started to pass in texas step up you know so i i have conflicting feelings about the idea that oh once these laws are passed artists should stop performing there and my conflicting feeling on that is ultimately uh especially if you were somebody if you were somebody that the queer community likes and enjoys then you're you're taking away an opportunity for queer people to go out and have a space to enjoy and feel safe in when when you are if you are an artist who supports queer people i think if you are to go to these states and make these performances i think there is things that you can say and do at your performance to make it clear that you are there performing for the people and not for the government uh which is a very large conversation about what's going on right now uh mm-hmm. but that's kind of my conflicting feeling on that it's just kind of like okay if you're if you oh you're you know if you're if you're a gay comedian if you're a queer comedian do you stop going to tennessee because of these laws but also you know that your audience is a majority of gay people a majority queer people so then you're now you're taking away an opportunity for them to have an evening to go out and enjoy themselves uh, which is also valid and important too. Let me make a quick clarification. When I was saying artists, I wasn't talking about drag performers or smaller queer artists or comedians who are, you know, going and and almost it's trans. Uh, it's almost like you know they're pushing against that uh, that government agenda by performing. Right? They're being brave on some level by saying like, "Hey, I'm not going to let these sort of laws and your erasure or want to erasure of you know people in my community." I'm talking more, and I I know I don't want them to come after me. I'm talking more like the Taylor Swifts, the yes. the, the big yes. artist where it will say not say the have... other one, say the other one, Taylor Swift, and who else? Beyonce. <laughs> say Beyonce? it. Yeah. Say her name. Say, say her name. <laughs> there was these there was these major uh, tours this summer um, yeah. in which uh, they you know didn't didn't say or or do anything that actually affected either informed their the people that love them which i also love them by the way but like inform the people that love them like hey this is going down in the state that you are in and this is like why we should be voting and and whatnot and instead though they will very happily throw a rainbow flag up on the backdrop of their concert during a song and you know everyone's like yay but like I don't know. And so the, I, I just want to be very clear that when I was saying like artists, I was talking about artists that have a voice that would affect a lot of people, not queer people protesting a state, um, you know, and not performing there and, and, and not giving people nights out. You know, so that that's more what I was sort of saying. And it wasn't it wasn't the CMT performance in particular. I was just saying you see a lot of drag queens performing with big artists on big stages and i'm glad that they're working but then those artists don't really do anything beyond use those drag queens to get credibility within the queer community or be sort of push the boundary but they don't actually stand up when we need them to and put their money when their mouth is and you know and and cancel shows where they need to and actually affect people and that gets frustrating it's not their responsibility i'm not blaming artists it's not like but you know if you're going to use the queer community to 
to benefit your career, then, you know, or, or at least, you know, stay relevant, then help the queer community when we're under attack by the governments that you're in states that you're performing and, and making lots of money off of. A hundred percent. I think that, that it's, you said it so much more eloquently than I could, Jay. I'm so glad that you're here to talk about this with us because there's like, there is, I have like a really deep seated, like anger against people who are all words and no action. And that gets triggered when cis straight people use queer people as props of being like, this is my barometer of how much of a, of a more accepting human I am or how much of a more of a better person I am or like, look at me. And it just feels, there's a lot of it that feels real performative. And, and so I guess I'm, I'm, I'm conflicted because I feel like sure the message is important, but it also just comes with this big, like performative notion that doesn't really change anything. Like, end of the day what would have changed something would be if beyonce or taylor swift was like not going to these states not going to these cities sorry look at all the other cities that are extremely welcoming and are not passing these hateful laws and we're revitalizing their economies and that's the, something that you lost out on because of your bigotry your your like your bigotry your homophobia transphobia like all of that and so like i wish that the cmts was a bigger platform to make a big impact, but I don't think it made an impact. I will say that it was interest it, that it is interesting using this CMTs as kind of like a barometer for like where the right side of the country, like the right wing side of the country, is kind of like leaning into. And I know, like you know, like a couple, a few years ago, like there was a big uproar about like Lil Nas X being like a, a an African American rapper in country music and like that kind of then shifted the conversation to being kind of like oh well, i guess you know country music can be open to a bit more diversity and so i'm interested because i'm not in country music at all i'm interested to hear like do you all think that this changed anything like is this changing any minds is this is this changing any laws i don't think that it changed i don't think it changed any laws uh because as we can see, these all these laws have, you know, they've been stopped at the judiciary. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it is important. I think it's important in if you if, if somebody has access to a conservative space and they do not feel like if they feel like these laws are bullshit. That is that is a it is a form of protest. It was yeah. putting, it was putting it was putting queer people. It was putting drag queens front and center walking down the runway with the host of the biggest night in country music. And it, and it upset the people it was supposed to upset, right? I yeah. think it did what it was supposed to do, and I, and I'm glad that they did it. I don't think it was I don't think it was a, a publicity stunt to say it. it you know, um, I don't know if it changed minds, except for you know the the. The closeted kid because they're living in a conservative family who was watching mm -hmm. got to see drag queens i i also think the, the attacking of drag queens by the right is such an interesting idea because they clearly are trying to figure out where that fits into the trans thing and the trans mm -hmm. fear but it's not hitting as well because people watch drag race which is now basically a show for straight people so I think it's been interesting to see how, for me at least, because I follow lots of sort of state governments and local governments, these drag bills are getting shut down the judiciary and the, the state governments are sort of quietly just being like, okay, uh, where like when the trans stuff gets shut down, they're like, we are coming back in, we're pushing another law because they, they get the traction on that. They get the fear on that where the drag stuff, it just gets... It, it's it start i think they're starting to realize like maybe they got they waded into waters so they're not they're not so i think that we have to keep vigilant on it but it, it's interesting that you know six months of six months ago that's all anyone talked about was these drag bands and now six months later i you don't hear it as aggressively anymore it's still out there by like the far right they still you know are talking about it because it's a point but you're not hearing like the full sort of republican party gather around this as they were six months ago, where it was much more of a banning pride in Florida and Key West. Yeah. And you know, when once Ron DeSantis went to run for president, it's sort of all quieted because he was just trying to get those those conservatives activated. And he, yeah, because he decided that attacking Mickey Mouse was much more important than, a drag, than attacking drag queens. Which Mickey Mouse is someone in drag because that person didn't start their day as a mouse. <laughs> Jay and John, I want to thank you both so much for joining us here back on our first episode of Let's Process This. So what we like to do here at Let's Process This is review our stories of the day and ask our guests, have we processed this? 
All right, let's head back up to the first story of the day, and that was Trump's first arrest, which was 34 felony accounts for falsifying business records related to hush money payments to adult porn star Stormy Daniels. So, Jay, John, have we processed this? Considering I thought it was a different one of the many cases, and I actually know where this case stands, I feel like I have not processed it because I... I'm just holding my breath until hopefully democracy doesn't fall apart around us. Like I, yeah. I don't think I don't think I have the ability to process all of this happening. I'm just sort of like it's like I'm on a raft in a white waters and I'm just hoping we make it through, you know, that. So I'm gonna say no, have not processed this. Yeah, I'm in the same boat with Jay for me. It's kind of like I feel that just anything that is Trump related is hard to process because it's always moving and it's never done and there's always you know you cut off one head and three heads sprout out on another problem and it's just kind of like there is and and there's just no way of processing it all and i think that that's not going to be something that we do until like maybe 15 20 years from now when this dude's dead and just like a part of history now and it's like can we just like stop and process and like wrap our head around like this like awful rise of popular like fascist populism that is like coming in like to our democracy and we can't do that now because it's still happening to us you heard it here first folks 2053 reunion of this episode yeah <laughs> put in your calendars now boys <laughs> and in that one i'll be like my robot dog will be in the yeah. background like sleeping <laughs> Like, remember when we thought this was going to be scary? I kick it all the time. It jumps back up. Well, I'd be like, oh, no, dear leader. The dear leader, of course. Uh, we've never said that stuff before. Yeah. Dear, but, but, but dear leader is somehow Hillary Clinton. Yes. We don't know how. We don't know how it happens. We, it we, just we, happens. We, yeah, we were re-educated in the camp, too. She re yeah. biding her time. We can hope. We can hope. It's still, it's still Joe Biden somehow. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, if it was between Joe Biden, he was dead the whole time. They've just been popping him up like the Fox News was right. <laughs> he just keeps going. He just like yeah. the Energizer Bunny. Yeah. But honestly, if you get if you give me a choice between Forever Trump or Forever Biden, between Forever Biden, <laughs> duh. Story number two: the NYPD police dog Digidog, the seventy-pound talking GPS-equipped robot dog. A Capable of moving to speeds of 3.5 miles per hour. <laughs> we'll start with John on this one. John, have you processed this? So I thought I had processed it until we talked about all the people that like enjoyed kicking this that thing. That want to kick the dog? I don't know. Like, I need dog. to not process it fully until I can kick one of these things. <laughs> At least to watch it do the weeble wobble and does fall down bit i think that that's just a funny comedy bit in general and so the fact that it's like using it like an upside down punching bag and just punch it to see how much it can weeble and wobble i want to do that before i can process it amazing jay how about you have you processed this yeah like a like a true new yorker i processed it i'm over it i've moved on i don't it, it if it if i see it on the street i'm not even gonna look at it i'm i'm done done with the robots you know Course, course is a robot. Why, why wouldn't there be? All right. So it sounds like John, John is still processing, but Jay has old yellered that robot dog. All right, and <laughs> our <laughs> spoiler alert for old yeller. What a reference! <laughs> Not where the red fern grows. Not where the red fern grows. Not where That's the red fern grows. <laughs> Not we, where the red that, fern grows. I, literally, I had two VHSs at my grandma's house growing up. It was Old Yeller and Where the Red Fern Grows. <laughs> oh God, I was a macabre little fucker. So much I, I had no friends. <laughs> just watching those sad dog stories. Yeah, like, don't all stories in this way? You just kill your dog? Or just, put your in, just put in another sad dog story. <laughs> Be kind, please rewind. Exactly, exactly. All right, in our final story of the day, Kelsey Ballerini performs with the Rue Girls at the CMTs. Boys, have we processed this? I would say that the performance itself, I have processed. Yes, I have processed it. Um, I remember there was a bunch of drag queens on the stage, and I don't think Jan was there. <laughs> I, I would say that I have processed the actual performance um that has been processed i have not processed the fact that oh like we said before the rise of this that the we head into election year and the rise of the anti-drag anti-gay anti-trans hate is just picking up more and more and more and the fact that 
We have this sort of underlying fascist Christian fascist populism growing at state and local levels is making me very nervous for a lot of people. So I have not processed that. In fact, it terrifies me. And this would be my chance to say to the hopefully 500 people listening, register to vote in your local elections and vote in your local elections. That's it's just it's the only way we're going to stop this. Like it's it, it's at, if you look at these states, they're there. It, that's where it's at. These local, these local states are where we're losing, and it's because they are using hate as a platform. So I have not processed that, and I probably, just like the Trump thing, I'm gonna hold my breath until ten years from now, and then see if we process it. <laughs> and before we we head to John, I just want to I'm going to say this out loud because I feel like it's important to mention anytime we can. The 2020 election was the first time that a country actively voted to stop fascism. It is something that cannot be repeated enough. If you think a vote doesn't count, it does. Mm -hmm. We did mm -hmm. not have to resort to any sort of violence to stop a fascist coming into power. We did it once. It's exhausting. But isn't it great that the only thing we have to do to stop it is vote? We could have had to be out there being like Indiana Jones. So yeah, vote. you won't catch me in a snake pit. Mm -mm. All right, but John, have you have you processed this? Um, you know, Chris, I hadn't even thought about it until we talked about it tonight. And I feel like I want to process it more, but also I'm not going to lose sleep over uh, the fact that Jan Sport and Olivia Lux got to sit at a table at the CMTs with that really weird concert venue. It was like on a weird corner. I need to process the stage design. I have to assume that it made more sense in the larger context. It was probably, there were probably multiple stages so they could like have quick transitions. Yeah. And then the I thought I liked the, the, the other one thing that I'll say about that video is that at one point they talked about burning in hell and the angle that the camera was at, there was confetti falling in the back, but it was lit by orange lights. And so it looked like fire. Great nuance. Great nuance. Great nuance. So if you hadn't at the beginning of this episode talked about how your Instagram feed was just shirtless men, I feel like this last part where you were basically like, I feel like I processed it, but I really need to talk about the stage direction of this <laughs> six months ago. Would say, yeah, no, that queen is definitely. <laughs> so John has processed the overall performance, but is yeah. still processing the direction of the piece. It sounds like. Yeah. And also just in general, all the great things that you and Jay said about voting. I think voting is very important. A lot of the reasons that or the ways that these people have come into power is not for the people that voted or didn't vote during presidential elections, but off year elections. And that's where they get them in. And, and so we got to stay vigilant and thinking about that. And if you need help processing that, find me on my Instagram because we'll we can process there. We'll process together. Yeah, we'll process this together. Jay and John, I want to thank you both so much for joining us here for our first episode of season two. We are back, baby. Uh, make sure you tune in. We're going to be coming to you every other week. And if nothing else, just go touch some grass. Hello, wonderful listeners. You've made it to our outro. You must be a fan and we love it. If you want to help us out, go follow Let's Process This Pod on Instagram. And while you're at it, follow Alani Beha, who did the amazing portrait that you see in our show art. Links for both of those will be in the show notes. We also have an official Gmail account, so feel free to send us any stories that you think we will need to talk about in six months, and we'll give you a shout-out on the pod. And as always, make sure that you leave those five-star reviews to help other listeners find our show. We could not do it without you. 